Hello, and welcome to this bonus episode of Rare On Air, the monthly podcast by Eurodis, Rare Diseases Europe. I am your host, Julian Poulan, and in our new quarterly bonus episodes, we are going to be exploring the work of European Reference Networks, also referred to as ERNs for short. These are the networks that connect clinical experts across Europe's borders so that their expertise can travel across borders to where rare disease patients reside. We covered the history and work of ERNs back in November in the first episode of our Rare On Air podcast series. Today, my colleague Ines Hernando talks to two people who serve as patient advocates within ERNs. They talk about what motivates their advocacy, what shapes their relationships with clinicians within the ERNs, and their advice for other patient advocates who are considering getting involved in the networks. Without further ado, I will now hand over to my colleague Ines. I'm Ines Hernando, and today we'll be talking about the role of patient representatives in the European Reference Networks. And to do so, we have invited two very special guests who have been involved as patient representatives in these networks almost from day one, when they were launched back in 2017. Graham Slater and Maria Varea, welcome, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Ines. Thank you. So uh, let's get started. First of all, Maria, could you please explain to us why and how you were personally first got into rare disease advocacy? What's your story? Well, my story is that um, my son was diagnosed with a rare disease when he was small. Since then, we joined a patient organization here in Belgium that is called Vascapa. And then at some point in yeah 2017, when the ERNs got um, established, then Professor Laurence Bon and Professor Mika Vicula invited Vascapa to be part of Vascern. And then it was a bit by chance uh, because I, I was speaking English and, and I was available. Then I was selected within the team to join the effort. And since then, it has been a transformation for me. That's amazing. Thank you, Maria. And um, Graham, could you now... Maybe share your story, your own story. Yeah, well, my personal story is that um, I'm, a, I'm one of the oldest survivors of esophageal atresia. And uh, although I've been very fortunate not to have uh, suffered some of the lifelong um, uh, consequences of that, uh, of that condition, nonetheless, about 15 years ago, I, um, I decided to, to try and, and get a little bit involved with the, with the national support group for that uh, condition in the UK. And I very quickly became a member of its board. And, and very quickly after that, that, I was instrumental in, in forming an international federation of uh, esophageal atresia support groups ar- around the world. So that's how I got involved. And that's what's led me to my engagement with, uh, with the ERNs. So let me continue with that thought, Graham. So you were one of the first patient advocates to be involved with the, with the ERNs. And in Ernica, in your case, could you explain to us in a nutshell, what is the role of patient representatives in, in the networks? I think the, the, the most important thing to, to say is that the patient's representation inside the networks brings the patient perspective to the work of the networks. And, and as a patient representative, you have to be mindful of the needs of the community that you're representing. And you have to be, you have to be prepared to communicate also in the other direction to your community what is going on and why it's going on. Uh, and so on. And I think it's all about the real life uh, experiences of patients. It's, it's expertise by experience. 
And there are some very, very specific things that we are able to do within, um, within the work as well. And I think it's important to say that um, by way of example, we've been able in, in, in the uh, in Ernica, in the RM that I'm working in, we've been we've, uh, very much able to influence some of the work which is done, but more importantly, contribute to that work. And one very specific example would be the work that we've done to bring the, the results of the, of the projects and the studies which are undertaken inside the network to the community by the provision of animations and patient-friendly versions of documentation such as guidelines. Okay, thank you, Graham. Thanks for that. So definitely it's not an easy role. Maria, in your case, I understand that the clinicians with whom you work in the ERNs, you were already very familiar, very close to them, let's say, before taking on your, your role as a patient advocate, because these clinicians were part of your uh, son's care team. So I suppose that when you uh, became a representative for your community, as opposed to a mom, uh, let's say, that meant that you, you needed to reshape the relationship with the clinicians. So could you explain to us how, the, how this happened and how did you manage to, to kind of shift the mindset and your relationship with them? Yes, indeed, the, the doctor that follows my, my, the care of my son is indeed one of my primary contacts in the year end, Professor Lorenz Mon. And um, I think it helped the, the fact that we were kind of working together already in Bascapa because uh, Professor Bon and Professor Vicula remain very, have remained very active in Bascapa over the years. They are the origin of the patient organization. Um, they are also very human. So they understood the need of patients in order to have a patient organization. They fostered the creation. They helped the creation. They are the origin of the um, association. And then when we join also we understood since the beginning in the patient organization that it was also kind of a working relationship. It, it is more a supporting relationship at, at a patient organization level. But indeed, when it transferred into the ERN, I think that it was clear for, for the three of us that it was a working environment. At the end, the objective of the ERN is, is more is bigger than just for one person. It's, it's for all European patients. So having that clear in your mind uh, helps the transition. Mm -hmm. I guess that we were all used to work I mean, in, in working environments. So we immediately made a shift. That is really interesting. In your case, Graham, uh, did you have any existing long-term professional relationship with the clinicians in Ernica? Was there any specifically or especially challenging about becoming a patient advocate in the early days? Yes, I, I did. I, I did have a, a working relationship with quite a number of the, the clinicians that are involved in, in Ernica. In particular, I knew the coordinator quite well. Um, and, and that helps. I think everything about that is probably positive. But we have to remember there's a couple of things, I think, and, and this is where the challenges arise. One is that inevitably uh, you find that the community you're representing gets bigger. Um, I mean, I came from an esophageal atresia support group background, working in a, in a work stream which covers other esophageal diseases. And so there is a, a need to, to broaden our representation and, uh, and also to, to become more familiar with, with some of the other clinicians. But for me personally, that became a slightly bigger challenge when I was asked almost at the very beginning of the network uh, to be the lead EPAG 
within Ernicare. And what that meant was that I had to quickly understand, of course, the requirements of, um, of all of my EPAG colleagues uh, and represent in the uh, coordination team and so on, but to, to develop relationships at least not in detail in terms of the work, but to, to develop a, a relationship with, with more clinicians. And, and I guess all I can say is that whilst on the one hand, yes, the, there's a challenge there. The fact that I'd managed to build that relationship in the past with the coordinator and so on uh, probably helped along the way. Thank you. Thank you for that, Graham. Yeah, it's clear that so much of what you do is really based on trust and uh, the uh, quality and integrity of relationships that, that you build. So. I would like to, to finish this conversation by posing the same question to, to both of you. Do you have any advice for someone who's thinking to become a patient advocate in, in the ERNs? Maria, what would you say? I would say, yes, go ahead, please. Uh, we need more people. We need people that are involved, uh, that understand, as said, that this is a, an European mission. Be ready because there are frustrations in the way, but there are great achievements. Uh, there are great interactions that are going to make you grow as a person, but especially as patient representative, you would be able to help others in different ways that you have been doing it before. Graham, anything you want to say? Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, I would, uh, yeah, I, I'd agree that it's, you know, we want to encourage people to to be EPAGs. We, we do need more. Um, what I would say is is the following. Firstly, you know, it's important not to underestimate the the commitment that this means. Uh, it is um, it is quite a big commitment, and uh, I have to say, though, a very worthwhile um, and valuable role that we we provide in the ERNs. I think it's also important. To to, to remind people who are thinking of becoming an EPAG that they, they do need to be confident about the community they're representing and know that they have a, a good network within that community so that they are genuinely kind of representing the needs of that network and uh, of that community and they're able to disseminate information back. And then I think the final point I'd make is that Although we use the word advocacy inside the terminology EPAG, this work is really more than pure advocacy. This is about collaboration. This is about co-building. It's about developing solutions with clinicians, uh, developing care pathways and, and, and guidelines and so on. And this is, is fantastic, but it is new and it, it can be quite a, a change from the kind of uh, roles which patient representatives are typically uh, carried out in their national associations or, or indeed in the international federations that they're members of. So that would be my, those would be my, my kind of uh, thoughts for them. Brilliant. So thank you both. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, Graham, for, for this insightful conversation um, into the reality of being a, an EPEC advocate. So to our listeners, if any of you is thinking about becoming an EPEG advocate or applying to volunteer to work in any of the ERNs, you can find more information about the role and the mission of these patient representatives in the Eurodis website. There is specifically a section that's really dedicated to EPEGs. And in that section, if you go to the mission and role tab, you can find a little bit more information about the role, the mission, and what is required to, to become a, a patient representative in the ERNs. Thank you all for listening to the first episode of ERNs on Air. This is our new bonus series of Rare on Air. Keep an eye for the next episode. And in the meantime, you can enjoy, of course, our regularly scheduled catalog of monthly episodes. You have been listening to Rare On Air, a Eurodis Rare Diseases Europe podcast with me, Julian Poulan. Thank you for joining us. 
Don't forget to subscribe so you can tune in next month to learn more about the world of rare diseases. Do you have any reflections from today's episode that you would like to share? Feel free to email us at rareonair at eurodis.org. We look forward to you joining us next month.